0: Suns post-game show brought to you by the Drafting Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a five-star review. I'm Lindsay Smith here with Gerald Borgay, Saul Bookman, and Espo. And unlike Phoenix Suns, we showed up today for this post-game show for Except all of you. So that we can have a safe space to vent. The Suns fell to the Knicks 102 Y'all, I'm over this already.
1: Look, this is. Yeah, please start us off, Gerald, please.
2: Let's Listen, just get the Rams I...
0: out of the way. Like, tell us how you really feel.
2: I I am never one to panic because I think we said a few shows ago that people need to adjust their expectations accordingly with Devin Booker out. But I think what we've seen over this last stretch of games is a damning indictment of what this roster currently is without its best player and how they're digging themselves into a hole that even when Book and Cam Johnson come back, they might not be able to climb back out of by that point. Because you look at the Suns record, they're 18-11 and with Devin Booker. They were a one or a two seed in the West at that point in time. They were a plus 120 when he was on the floor. Without him, they are 2-7 and now, and they're a minus 25. And even that seems kind to what we've seen from this roster. People have been clamoring for, let's see what D.A. is as the number one option. He's going to put up big numbers. And he has for a couple of games. And then there'll be games like this, where as the number one option, he's not that guy. You look at Mikhail Bridges. He's not even a number two option right now. He's going out there and finishing a game with 10 points on four of 11 shooting. Chris Paul is way past his prime at this point and can't be the number two or the number three guy on this roster. Like you could go up and down the roster and look at how this team is not prepared to contend. They're not prepared to win. And at this point, I don't want to say that something's fundamentally broken, but there need to be significant changes. We've been saying this for a long time. There has to be a move that shakes up the roster and brings in a legitimate difference maker. And to be honest, I don't know if you even get that before the trade deadline. So there's a lot that needs to be fixed with this team. I've always been the more patient type and saying, okay, once everyone gets healthy, they'll be fine. But I don't even know if this group is going to make it to that point. There's just so much wrong with the way that money has been allocated the lack of a Jay Crowder trade, the lack of off-season activity, and it feels like at this point the championship window has closed. It's not officially closed, but we're getting really close, and that's alarming.
3: Oh, oh and the way this 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 current roster is constructed, I've, I've said it for the last two months. The fucking window is closed. It's shut closed. There's no... There is no way, uh, barring DeAndre Aiden possibly becoming all of a sudden an all-world player, which is probably not going to happen. I'm 99% confident of that. Um, it's just not going to happen because Devin Booker doesn't have a number two to reliably go to, even when he comes back. There is no support system whatsoever that, that can consistently pr- produce at a high level enough for this team to be a consistent contender in the West or in the NBA period. And. and I, I'm gonna say this you know Gerald you know you, you had you'd pointed out a couple times last year where you know th- just be patient when things were going a little bit rough or whatever um and that money the 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 phrase that I, I think he used was uh money has a lot of faith and is very um he, he's uh very patient with with the players that have, have been there for the long haul right mm-hmm. um and when we would talk about Aaron holiday for instance like mm-hmm. Monty just will not veer off of Chris Paul or campaign to give Aaron holiday minutes when it was absolutely necessary. Well, guess what? We're in a point right now where it's absolutely fucking necessary to, to, you got to play with the lineup. These bums gave you 11 points in the first quarter, 11 and still it took to the fourth quarter before Dwayne Washington finally got a little bit of burn and oh my gosh, he is the third leading scorer on the night in just a quarter. Like, mm-hmm. it just blows me away that Monty will not adjust his lineup depending on what he's seeing from his team on a given night. The whole first half, after the whole first half, you should have been like, okay, I'm throwing out the playbook. Whatever I thought I was going to do, it needs to be completely scrapped. So I think what we're seeing right now is Monty Williams is absolutely getting blown out of the water in terms of his coaching ability at this level. It's absolutely atrocious. The fact that he cannot adjust from game to game based on what the players are giving him night after night, clearly your team is inconsistent. How can you not recognize that as a coach, and figure, okay, tonight's not campaign's night, or tonight's not Chris Paul's night. Let me adjust it a little bit. Let me cut back Chris Paul's minutes, give campaign a few extra, or, okay, both of them don't got it going. Let me give D-Wash a little bit of burn. Uh, Damian Lee, gets he has a pretty good game for a little bit, but he only played nine minutes through like three quarters. I don't understand what the fuck Monty is doing at all, at all.
2: Well, it's, it's an indictment of Monty, but it's also an indictment of the roster Jones has put together. If we're sitting here clamoring for guys on two-way contracts to be playing significant minutes, something is fundamentally wrong with the roster that you have created. And I know Jay Crowder choosing to sit out plays a part in that, but you're right. Like tonight, Dwayne Washington should have gotten earlier minutes. I know you're trying to work campaign back in and you're trying to work Landry Schammett back in. But at a certain point, like, you know, halftime, you should have veered course and given other guys minutes. And that is a frustrating thing with Monty. I'm not going to go out and say, you know, a guy that coached them to 60 some wins last year is getting blown out of the water coaching wise, but it is frustrating some of the decisions he makes with his rotation. But again, it goes back to this rotation is garbage right now. Just no matter how you want to slice it, like you could have put Dwayne Washington and he could have dropped 25 to 30. They still were going to lose this game with the way that they
1: played. Look,
0: I go ahead. uh,
1: you can go ahead, Lindsay. I'll, just, I'll give you the floor.
0: Sorry. I feel like it's both of them, to be honest, and they both equally deserve um, whatever slander we want to throw their way. So Euphoria in the chat said, here for the tank, if you're going to tell me two unhealthy players changes your team that dramatically, then then the team pieces don't fit to begin with. We need big changes. And you're exactly right, Euphoria. Like, you miss Cam Johnson and Devin Booker, and this is the squad that you have. And then as far as, like, so that's a James Jones issue, right? But then as far as money goes is, you know that this is what you have to deal with. Your goal right now should be to stay above water until you get those two guys back, specifically Devin Booker. So while those two-way players may not be the answer long-term, they can be the answer right now. You need to win games while Devin Booker is sidelined. And if those two are the two that help you win games, then by golly, play them. And that's
3: <laughs> and that's my thing is that, like, it's not just the fact that they're losing. It's when they lose, they fucking get blown out of the gym by mm. some scrub-ass teams sometimes. And you're like, mm. what is going on? And it's just that failure to adjust. For me, It's uh, I think a large portion of this is on Monty Williams like i i know i know james jones is going to get his blowback and i'll let you guys take care of that part i'm going to focus on money because i think he gets far too much credit for what devin booker and chris paul did last year versus what is really happening this year when you actually have to coach and show your merit as a as a high level nba head coach he's falling apart he's done that this year he's falling apart
1: look the best thing that ever could have happened to the suns team was Devin Booker's injury. And I know it sounds crazy, but let me explain. They got to see that this is not a championship caliber team. Even with Devin out there, this team is not getting any further than they got last year. Something has to change. And I think we're at a point where you may be looking at this being a filler year and cleaning the deck and clearing the deck. For next year and figuring out how you can get in a better place from a cap situation and, and roster flexibility situation to to put yourself back in the conversation next year, because the conversation this year is over. So can you can you potentially move a Chris Paul? Can you find a way to move him with some of your other expirings, get creative, bring maybe draft capital or young players back and clear your cap space for next year? Like, I don't want to tank, but I also want to be realistic about where this team is. And right now, the way this is constructed and what you're seeing is you're going nowhere fast right now. Even if Devin Booker comes back and they have to fight back from they're closer to the 10th seed than the one seed now. They're, they're two and a half games ahead of, uh, I believe it's Utah in the 10th seed right now. You are a play-in team as it is. Devin Booker is going to have to scratch and claw and do everything in his power whenever he comes back just to get you back out of the play-in is what's happening now. And if this were happening with energy, with enthusiasm, they were trying their asses off uh, and, and it wasn't working, that's one thing. But right now, they look defeated the second they go down in a game. There's nobody that can shoot at the moment. Overall, everything just looks like the wheels have completely fallen off. And that can't happen just because Devin Booker's out. We we got in the, the discussions and the arguments, who's the number two? Right now, I'm wondering, who's the number three? Do they have that guy at the moment? Because nobody's even stepping up. To where I feel like, oh, when Devin Booker comes back, that's your third best guy, and you need to get a second best guy. I don't know what exactly can fix it at the moment, but I think we're kidding ourselves as we think Cam Johnson and Devin Booker are some panacea that that, that cures it all. This, this this elixir that fixes everything, because we complained about how inconsistent Cam Johnson's been over the last two years. Devin Booker is the heart, the soul, the scoring. He's the everything of this team, and you need to find a way to get him help now and in the future. They need to start considering how that happens, and I'm not quite sure James Jones is the guy to make those decisions yet.
2: I Look, I <laughs> – I agree with you. I'm not ready to completely give up on this season because I know that when Booker comes back, the goal is not going to be, you know, to tank or to make the play in or whatever, like they're, they're going to have title aspirations on their mind. I, even if that's not realistic from where all of us sit right now. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it's kind of what we're seeing from this team with Booker out with Cam Johnson out, two of the guys that are, you know, arguably two of their best offensive pieces is an indictment of the way that you spent two top 10 picks in that draft. It's an indictment of the money that you spent in the middle of the roster on Jay Crowder, Landry Shamit, and Dario Saric. It's an indictment of the lack of preparation and resources you've put into your draft strategy in recent years um, because you're not going to tell me that this team would look so listless or aimless if they had just taken Tyrese Halliburton or Desmond Bain over Jalen Smith. Like, there's just so many mistakes that I know people are sick of going back to, but they have made a significant difference in where this team is right now and where it could be. They just – they I I don't want to say that they're not trying out there, but you can see they have some, like, weird type of basketball PTSD from game seven because when a team goes up on them, it snowballs so quickly. Like, they miss shots, and it transfers over to the defensive end and they were defending well to start this game. And then everything just kind of snowballed because they couldn't make a damn shot. And like that is, that's coaching, but that's also just this particular group. Something needs to be shaken up with them if we're going to see any difference in the next month.
1: So, so most you know, of what you just said points to James Jones because he's the one that made a lot of those picks. He's the one that built the middle of this roster. He's the one that hasn't made a big move. The only thing that, I, and I agree with Saul on this point is, the fact that they have basketball PTSD is on Monte Williams. His job is to get his team's mind right and put him in a situation to succeed, and he hasn't done that. It's, it, this is rough right now.
3: You know, I, I think there's also another parts of this. You know, I always hear the, the Tyrese Burton and Desmond Bain argument, which I completely agree. Obviously, like uh, on paper, that would have been the move, right? But I I also do question, and this is where I keep coming back to Monty myself, is I also question how much Monty would have actually played a guy like Tyrese Halliburton or Desmond Bain in the early going to see what they actually had, right? Because those guys are getting a lot of run on those teams, and deservedly so, and they're able to produce because they're getting the minutes that they need to develop. Jalen Smith did not get that, and he's not at that caliber, and I'm not saying he is, but he is producing at a slightly higher level with the Indiana Pacers because he's getting the time that he needs to be able to develop and he's getting, he's averaging like 10 and seven right now. So it's not otherworldly, but that's where I keep coming back to is like, dude, it feels like you have some talent on this roster that you could have developed over the course of the last couple of years, but you keep trying to harness it and waiting for these perfect moments to be able to fit them in. And it just doesn't make sense to me. Like last year, a 64 win team, a lot of games were, yeah, they were the crunch time Suns, but a lot of games were kind of on cruise control for the most part. I think you could have used, you could have probably used Jalen Smith a little bit more in the early going to see, okay, can he actually give you a buddy? Instead of waiting for somebody to get hurt, throw him in there for a couple minutes and these inconsistent minutes. It's not very consistent at all. Like it's just all over the place with Monty Williams. So my development, question for money in addition to how he's being able to adjust is my biggest concern overall with money it just feels like he's relying so much on these veterans to kind of lead and approach everything on the court instead of having a plan for each player and each moment when we go into these games like every game's going to be different and for somebody that's so damn staunch and like sticking to his script it's really aggravating because any coach will tell you you have got to adjust on the fly. You, you just have to you have to have that ability. That's what makes the great coaches the great coaches, especially at the at the, at a minimum at halftime. And that's where I keep going back to in this game. At halftime, you should have adjusted. But mm-hmm. no, you just rolled out the same fucking five dudes that just got you Molly in the first half. Like it was no big deal. And you didn't even adjust five minutes in Dude, Chris. Paul was a minus 38 tonight. And I don't like plus minus, but God damn, he was bad. He in, wasn't giving you anything.
1: In the first half, three year starters combined for two points. Like, how do you not change the starting lineup coming out of the locker room? Like, that, that it's 100% true, Saul. There's no adjustment at uh, at halftime. And if you don't make those adjustments, what are you doing? Like, you might as well just not go back out there if you're the coach because that's when you can make the, the biggest change and say, these are the things we're going to do differently because we're getting our ass kicked. If I were Monty, I would have sat everybody after only scoring 11 points and let the bench play a majority of the rest of the game to make a point. Eleven points in one quarter is abysmal. It's ridiculous. You're not an NBA team if you're doing that.
3: All eleven by DeAndre and fucking Mikkel, by the way, mm-hmm. who weren't even shooting lights out. Obviously, mm-hmm. they only had eleven points combined. Everybody else was over. <laughs> what are we
2: doing? Look, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say I would have started Dwayne Washington Jr. in the second half, but I get your point. There needed to be more bench play. There needed to be trying different guys. Um, I'm I not going to make excuses it, for that, but I will but, say, I will say there's a difference between Tyrese Halliburton, Desmond Bain versus Dwayne Washington and Aaron holiday. But like, you're right. He needs to give those other guys more minutes, especially when Dwayne Washington and Ish Wainwright come in and have an immediate positive impact on the game. It's time to reassess the pecking order. And I don't know if Monty will, because he is stubborn like that about playing his certain guys.
3: And and my thing is it's this is situational, right? Like in this particular game, let's just focus on this game. Right. They could not throw a rock in the ocean. <laughs> but you got two guys, especially one in Dwayne Washington, who is a scorer. Yeah. and you're just you have them on, on ice cubes over here for what? What are you waiting for? Like nobody can nobody can shoot right now. Get him in the game. See if he can give you a couple buckets. Like, if anything, it changes the momentum. It's the same argument I had last year. In, in the seven-game series against the Mavericks when they were getting Molly every single game on the road in Dallas, and they're down 15, they're down 20 in the fourth quarter or in the middle of the third quarter. I'm like, clearly Chris Paul is not giving you anything. Throw in Aaron Holiday, See if he can give you a couple buckets just to give these guys a little bit of juice and see if you can change the momentum around. But Monty just does not want to do that for whatever reason. It's infuriating as hell.
0: And- you, go ahead.
1: I was just because Gerald, you bring up oh, when when they come back, they're gonna have championship aspirations. Yeah, I'd love for this show to win an Oscar, but it, we don't do the right thing to win it, right? <laughs> Like, it'd be great. I'd love that trophy and say, hey, we won an Oscar. But that I, shit ain't going to
3: happen. So. I do have Oscar aspirations. <laughs> again, I don't, I don't
2: know if I, I – again, we can sit here and say this from the outside, but they're going to point to the fact that they were the number one team in the West when they were fully healthy. They were the number one team in the West even when they f- weren't fully healthy with Cam Johnson out and just Devin Booker in there. My thing is it's alarming how fucking far this team falls from – a top contender in the West to not even a play in caliber team. When one guy is out that can't happen. That is an indictment on the roster that you've put together and on whatever juju that you have for you right now, because it's not good. This team is getting whopped by the Knicks who are a middle of the road, Eastern conference team. They're getting whopped by the Rockets twice in that span. Like they're getting beat by 40 by the Celtics who are an actual contender in the East. That is the scary thing to me, and it can't all be on Devin Booker because we saw how great he was playing and how much he was having to carry the load. You need guys like D.A. to develop a handle. You need guys like McHale to be more consistent on the offensive end. You need Cam Johnson to stay on the court, and you need Chris Paul to shake off whatever father time is sitting on his back right now because this team as built is just not going to contend because it's asking Devin Booker to do too much. And that's a scary thing to me because they are going to look at this roster and say, well, we were this good when we had book. Let's just invest in that and put guys back in their positions. And for me, I, I'm officially past the point of thinking that, you know, all of this stuff is good for the suns. These guys getting these bench guys getting extra minutes is going to somehow help when they're transferred back into their normal roles. I, I'm past that point. You need to make a significant move to blow up pieces of this core. If you want to contend this year and beyond.
0: The only way this is good for the Suns is if it wakes up James Jones into understanding that this is not enough, regardless if Devin is playing or not. That's the Mm -hmm. only positive that you can take out of this is that we're seeing what happens when you don't make moves that your team desperately needs. Again, regardless if Book is playing or not. We do have a super chat. Go ahead. uh,
3: I would just say real quick, um, before the game, I I said I, I highly doubt that like DA would get traded or anything like that. I will say this after watching this stretch and especially after watching this game, I definitely feel like everything is on the table. DA is a little bit more complicated because he has the no trade clause that he can, or he can waive any trade to, to whatever city this year. Um, But if you're looking at a, a potential move this year, Mikhail, I feel like is, is at the top of the list in terms of trade value uh, around the NBA that you can get something legitimately good for uh, if you throw in some additional draft picks because he's just not playing up to 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 the level you need him to on the offensive side of the ball. He's kind of disappeared of late, and I think you can get tremendous value back from him. So I think Mikhail to me, if I had to rank Suns players, I think McHale's right at the
0: top. Okay, so a couple super chats. First and foremost from Trevor. Thank you, Trevor. Appreciate you. Said, We cannot rely on D Book to save us now. If we rely on him again, he can re injure something again. Monty is showing he cannot adjust without Book. This has been brought up quite a few times in the chat. The concern that if all of our eggs are in the basket of Devin Booker being our savior, are we putting too much pressure on him to, one, return far too early like he did on Christmas Day and got even more hurt because of it, or two, overextend himself and get hurt because of that? And then it's just like, then that snowballs into what we're dealing with right now. like that, And that's not fair to put on Devin Booker's shoulders. Just like back in the day when we were a 19-win season, it wasn't fair to ask Devin to be the only guy on this team who was capable or willing to... To contribute in those ways like it, I, it's just not
3: cool I do want to say this in 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 response to that right if you go to every team's number one and if they lose if they lose their number one if Denver loses Jokic if if Giannis has gone from the Bucks, if Luka's gone from the Mavs I think you see something similar going on with those teams as well like they're heavy parts of those teams now now, should will their fall off be as as far down as what the Suns have have shown from time to time? You you would think maybe like a team like the Celtics, probably not. They lost Tatum or or the Bucks because they have Middleton and, and Holiday. But but the Suns, that's what that's what's bothering me. And I think that's what's bothering most of this fan base is that it's not that they're losing. It's how bad they're losing and how uncompetitive mm-hmm. they look when they're losing. And that's the biggest problem. And you and Devin Booker isn't gonna save that. Like, you have to have that dog in you no matter what, whether Devin Booker's playing or not. And it just looks like this team sometimes just goes through the motions, and that's on Monty.
1: Yeah, look, I think you brought up the team that, that the Suns are most like right now. It's it's the Mavs. If Luka goes down, that Mavs team is not going to be putting together wins. They're going to fall uh, like the Suns are. and And that's scary because – Christian Wood is an OK center, right? That's your DeAndre Ayton. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is a passable point guard right now. That's the level Chris Paul's at. Like right now, the Suns roster, unlike you know Milwaukee or Denver, you can't go. Oh, there's Chris Middleton. There's Jamal Murray. There's I you know there's guys that you can look to and go. At least we know they'll score. The Suns don't have any sure thing right now, and that's the big problem.
0: But the question is, Is like, are we cool with just being that? Are we cool with being where the Mavs are at? No. Because the sure Mavs aren't not. a team that everyone's looking at as, oh, yeah, they're definitely a possibility to win a, cha- a championship. No, no they're I, saying the Mavs are a good team and they have a phenomenal player in Luka Doncic, but they need more help. Yes. So I'm not yeah. cool with being compared to the Mavs.
1: No, no. nor <laughs> am I. And I'm, I'm looking at, and I know I keep harping back to this, but looking a year down the road, looking to next year, you got to be thinking that way because there's all sorts of hurdles to get you better. And and if you don't start thinking that way with this deadline coming up and everything, you could wind up having to run back something very similar, which is not a, an appealing thought right now.
2: I'm, I'm kind of in the place where because the championship window for this season is so narrow, I'm more looking at this season as we need to see a sign or multiple signs that James Jones understands what he needs to do for this roster for next year. Because I I don't want to say, you know, you just got to dump Chris Paul and go from there, but like there are significant changes that need to be made for this group to contend for a title next year. And for it to happen this year, you have to really thread the needle at the trade deadline. And I just don't see how that happens. I know a lot of people have been waiting for a move to happen I don't think a lot of teams have that same urgency that the suns do because they don't have a guy that's sitting at home, getting paid 10 million to do nothing. Like they're more content with waiting to the trade deadline and watching a team like the suns with lots of young attractive pieces implode. And then maybe the suns turn into sellers. So they don't have any incentive to like help Phoenix out right now. But I I just, there are so many players that are going to be trade eligible this summer. We always hear about guys that are available you know, there's always the LeBron thing that's going to keep coming up. I need to see at the trade deadline, and especially this summer, if James Jones is still in that position by then, that he understands that a significant move needs to be made, that a significant superstar or piece needs to be brought in here and go from there. Because at this point, I, there's just too much that has to happen for this team to win a title and and those hopes kind of shrink day by day with Booker sidelined.
0: All right, we got another super chat. This one's from Joel. Joel, thank you for your super chat. said, isn't it weird how DeAndre never really improved after his rookie year once Monty became coach? Monty can't develop players. I agree with Saul. This I... comment has also been brought up quite a bit in the chat. There's a couple of people who have said that Monty was developed, to, or not Monty, sorry, D.A. was developed to play alongside Devin and not really hone in on who he can be as his own type of player. A lot of people talking about um, just
3: kind of that idea I, that... that... I, no, I'll I i, no, I I'll, I'll stop that right there. I'm the biggest DA stand that anybody knows. And I'll say this, like, great players don't need to be told that they need to improve. Fuck that. Like, that's on DA. DA needs to step up. DA needs to put in the work. DA's got to find that dog in himself to be able to be that alpha male out there that dominates. Like, y- you don't have to tell guys like Jordan or LeBron or Giannis oh, hey, you should put some more time in the gym or, hey, you should call for the ball more. Like, no, you work on your skills, you get better, you improve year after year. But D.A. has had incremental improvement, and he has improved, but not to the level that we all hoped and, and desired him to as the number one overall pick. So I don't agree with that at all. That's just as much on, on D.A. As, as it would be a money to put him in positions to succeed more than anything else. But that's mostly on D.A. As an individual player, D.A. has to control his own narrative more than he is. And when you go out against scrubs like the Knicks and you put up 12-5, and five, nah, shut the fuck up. The offense was running through you just fine today, and you didn't do shit. That's on right. you.
2: Right, and that the, the idea that D.A. hasn't improved since his rookie season is wild to me because people are just looking at raw box score averages if they're getting that conclusion. You want to talk about how he's become an elite mid-range shooter. You want to talk about how he's developed that spin move and right hook you want to talk about how he's become an elite play finisher in the pick and roll that all goes back to coaching and it's not just Monty because people are asking well lots of other guys who have developed had you know personal trainers or people that work with them like mark bryant has gotten a ton of credit for every big that's come in here being able to put up numbers until probably this year in this same system so i don't think it's a matter of that and i will say like DA until he develops a consistent handle and until he gets more moves in his bag uh, and gets better awareness for when doubles are coming, like we're seeing what DA as a number one option is. People always talk about, well, if he goes to a bad team and puts up numbers, yeah, he's going to put up numbers, but this is kind of the result that you're going to get. We're seeing it right now. So I, I, I just, I always go back to DA is fantastic third option. He's not quite a second option yet, and he sure as hell isn't a number one option and I would argue that Monty and the coaching staff, especially with Chris Paul and Ricky Rubio joining, made him more efficient than ever.
1: What? Maybe I'm off base with this, but to me, a lot of this starts to point back at Chris Paul. His his game has changed significantly this year. He's, he's kind of dropped off uh, in numerous ways. He's a guy that traditionally has, over time, graded on his teammates to a point where it's it become an issue when you when you mix the that guy's tough on me and and will call me out and and yell at me in practice for x y and z with this guy isn't very good out there on the court anymore is that potentially something that's been detrimental to this locker room to this team Uh, and not just his play but how much maybe he's wearing on guys now off the court because He's just not that guy that you're willing to accept taking shit from when he's the one also being part of the problem out there on the court.
0: Well, Psycho Blue did send us a super chat and said, CP, we this year reminds me of Brett Favre at the end of his Vikings tenure. He was washed and the culture tanked with it. I've actually seen quite a few people on Sun's Twitter talk about how if we praise Chris Paul for the culture that he helped uh, develop and bring to the sons when he first got here, then he should also be responsible for the culture as it is now, which feels like it's a little more in the dumps than I, what it was.
3: I would say that Chris Paul is more like Brett Favre with the jets than he is right now with the, with the Vikings. Like, cause at least he got to the, the, <laughs> he got to the NFC championship with the Vikings, Chris Paul ain't getting to the Western conference championship as is right now. Like I, 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 they say that when, when father time hits, it hits pretty hard. And, it, and that's just what it looks like right now. Now I, I will say this, we've seen the same thing and, and I'm only going to use this comparison just because that's, it's all I can relate to right now with Tom Brady, Tom Brady looked like dog shit all year long until about the last three or four weeks. And then all of a sudden it kind of kicked in. Now they might make the playoffs. I think they're about to make the playoffs. So like, you're hoping that that's going to happen with Chris Paul, but basketball is such a different sport. It looks like, honestly, it looks like, I wish I was sitting courtside, and, and Gerald could probably speak to this if he's been around the court from time to time. It looks like teams are just like, man, fucking shoot. Like, shoot. Like, we're just going to guard. We're going to sag off so you don't get the passing lanes as much, and we're going to force you to be the, the scorer that, that we don't think you can be. And he's proving them right.
2: Well, yeah, it's... I think if you're going to put any blame on Chris Paul, it's all on the court stuff. I don't think anyone on the Suns roster would echo the idea that he's kind of been grading on his teammates, and that's the reason the culture's diminished. The reason the culture's diminished is because they're not winning games anymore, because like, they're losing. When you lose, you could talk about culture all you want. It doesn't mean shit. That's what we saw with Earl Watson for yeah, years. But
0: isn't, isn't but- culture supposed to help you sustain these downs? Isn't yeah, that but the you're whole missing two of, of your,
2: you're missing two of your four best players. Like I don't, it's to me, it's all on court stuff. I'm not going to talk about shit that we don't see okay. behind the scenes when there's no evidence other than W is and the L's evidence that the culture is deteriorating. That,
0: okay, to be fair,
3: for
0: me. I'm not talking about Chris Paul behind the scenes. I'm talking about Chris Paul on the court. Like he should be the leader as far as the energy to start games. Like, yes, he's an older player, but why, the is the 37 year old,
2: why is the 37-year-old? Why is the 37-year-old the one that's responsible for the energy? Why is it not the two 20-something year olds who are the your leader? Franchise isn't the, isn't
0: that responsibility on the leader of the team? Devin to, Booker to is the leader. Sure. That's what okay, we've been talking about. And when about. Devin's not in there, is Chris Paul not the leader? There has to be somebody who steps up, right? He's
2: 37 years old. You need your franchise cornerstones, the guys that he's intentionally playing off the ball for to get more looks. Those are the guys that are supposed to be leading the culture or leading the charge. Okay. Like you can talk about how washed he is, but you guys are all reaching as far as like saying, oh, Chris Paul's grading on his teammates again because that's what he does.
3: I didn't say that at all. could it
1: be could it be an explanation because it's not asinine to bring up something that he's done multiple times in other cities right this team was nine and five well well he was out they're four and nine since he's come back. I get that Devin Booker isn't there but I also understand when you look at it uh, that that they have looked significantly different in terms of energy and effort. Since he's because come he's back now. as well. And he's I'm not now. saying that it's, it's all just him, but at some point, if he he's always been one B to Devin Booker's one A as a leader, and he's supposed to be the leader of these young men as well. And if we're going to point our fingers at Monty, the off the court coach, he's supposed to be the on the court coach. And, and there's something significantly wrong with him out there on the court right now.
2: But that's fine. That's different than saying the culture is deteriorating because of him. There's a fucking line between those two things. There's a big gap. That's
0: what I, I didn't say. I, I, I didn't also, say I will... the culture is deteriorating because of him. I said he is most. He is the top or one of the top people who should be responsible for the culture in this sun space. Monty, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker are the three main leaders of this squad. So if, you're, if we're already bashing on Monty for what he is unable to do or hasn't done yet, and Devin's out of the picture, he's not even on the road trip, then, yeah, I would think Chris Paul would be the guy behind the scenes hyping these guys up. It's Madison Square Garden, and but, they can't come out and be excited to play there.
3: Again, I don't think that part's on Chris Paul at all. Like, it's Madison Square Garden. Like, you can't get up from Madison Square Garden? Like, every basketball player in the world is, like, always dreams of playing at msg like it's just a thing like so if mikhail or da can't get up for that game (laughs) what are we even talking about and and, and i will also say this too i agree with your point Espo, about wearing down on teammates in the past like i do however i do think that this situation is a little bit different because chris paul came in here i don't think chris paul came in here to necessarily change the entire culture which he did anyway because of who chris paul is but I think he was more trying to show Devin Booker the way forward as a leader, which he has done. And I think if you're Mikhail or you're DA, you should have automatically gravitated to some of those leadership qualities that CP3 was brushing off on everybody. And then this should be your moment to take over the team because you can see that Chris Paul is failing as a pl- basketball player at the level that he's used to being at. And that's on Da and McHale. and I'm I, I will go I back as much as I've been hard on Monty, Da and McHale take as much of the blame as, as as him on this entire road trip in this entire last three four five weeks because of the level of their play and their inconsistent their inconsistent manner by which they play every every night. With look, I, and I'm not trying to give a free pass to Da
1: and Mikhail. I mean, they they deserve as much blame as we've given them. I just feel like Chris Paul has gotten somewhat of a free pass on things, and he is, uh, you know, as the point guard, the on court leader. Uh, but I, I get where what you're saying, and and you bring up an interesting point. If he was training Devin to be the heart, the soul, the leader of this team, guess who hasn't been around on this road trip? Devin Booker. He's back home trying to get well. So does that throw things off, too, because the guy who is that vocal leader all of a sudden isn't there. And D.A. and McHale don't exactly strike me as the guys that are stepping up to fill leadership roles uh, because uh, they, they, they're they younger. They tend to, to seem a little bit more lighthearted than the books, the CP3s. So all this starts to just become a giant issue together. When you mix it all together, I think it becomes... It comes more volatile than we expected it to be.
0: So, just to be clear, um, I wasn't placing the blame of what's happening with the Suns right now on Chris Paul because there are people in the chat who are very upset with me. And Gerald, I feel like you were very upset with me as well. I'm also not giving Mikel and DA a pass. It's absolutely on Mikkel and DA as well. They should have energy because they are younger on this team. Just by age alone they should have the most energy on this team that's not what I'm talking about I'm just talking about being an extension of your coach being a leader as far as the way that we talked about it when in the 19 win season that's what I'm talking about is like cultural keeping guys heads up like not letting them get down on themselves or not letting them let slack off on defense just because shots aren't following, but being the person who's like, it's we're gonna give our heads back in it. we're gonna be fine and not just letting the wet heavy blanket just soak on everybody. that's all I'm talking about. I'm not saying Chris Paul is to blame for what's happening for to the Phoenix suns this year. that would be outrageous
2: right and i and I get that, but it's harder to do that when you're not able to lead by example anymore and that's why I was saying like for me, if we want to gripe about Chris Paul, it goes back to just, he can't be the player that he was even last year anymore. And that's the biggest thing. Like when you're losing and a guy who is clearly a shell of himself compared to last year is trying to tell you like, Hey man, keep your head up. Who's going to listen to that. And that's my thing is like this group. I don't think they're fundamentally broken, but there needs to be a fundamental change here soon. As far as the, the makeup of this group is just not what it was last year. They were shell shocked in that game seven. They haven't fully recovered since injuries and Devin Booker being out were have revealed that to everybody. And now teams are gunning for them because they know that they're vulnerable. It's a there's blood in the water. The sharks are coming, and and I I don't blame Chris Paul or anybody. It's we could go down the entire roster, Monty, James Jones, everyone on the roster, and point out something that they're not doing right. It's it's just a bad situation all around right
0: now. I don't know about you guys, but I'm allergic to alcohol, but I'm about to risk it all for some four peaks beer because I am hot (laughs) literally and figuratively at this moment. And if you guys have not tried four peaks beer or haven't picked any up recently, might I remind you how delightful it is also in case you forgot four peaks is also the presenting sponsor of our inaugural PHNX tea party at Dobson ranch golf course that is happening January 13th at 5.30 p.m. It is a Friday. We are combining- next, next Friday. Yeah. Next Friday, co- baby.
3: Let's go. We're gonna me.
0: combine Suns basketball and a heck of a lot of fun out on the golf course. So we're renting out the entire driving range, okay? So you can come hang out with all of us. You can hang out with Big Drive Energy, fellow diehards, our friends from Four Peaks, golf, food, drinks, contest, prizes, Suns, and more. Um, we're going to do our shows out there as well. So we want you guys to come hang out with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's $45 per person. If you are a die hard, it's only $36 per person. You can sign up um, as a foursome as well. That's $160 for the general admission and then $120 for for diehards if you're not a diehard you can become a diehard and then you can get your tickets to the tea party but it's going to be a lot of fun uh we tweeted out the link earlier today from all of our social accounts we'll drop it in the discord it's also in the description of this show so come hang out with us you guys it's going to be a blast i don't know how else to tell you how much fun it's going to be plus the heaters we got heaters y'all so you don't have to worry about being cold
1: and if you don't want to watch the game, you can play golf during the game and just listen to us after the after the game, bitch and moan about what happened. So there's that, too.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Let's go ahead and name our DraftKings King of the Game because we had to name one and we got a little creative with you guys for you guys today. Espo, you want to do the honors?
1: Yeah, bring it up. Here we go. Drum roll, please. It's Devin Booker. (laughs) He started off uh, 2023 right with zero secondhand embarrassment and as many points as Dario Sarge and almost as many points as Landry Shamit today.
2: (laughs) Until the final minute of the game when he ruined our graphic, but it's fine. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this is a fun one. We were we were debating between. Devin Booker, uh, anybody who had to watch that game or anybody who skipped this game, there was a lot of uh, options being thrown around, but we decided why not give one to Devin Booker because Lord knows it might be a while before we're able to name Devin Booker king of the game. Uh, Fingers crossed he can come back sooner than later and this doesn't drag on because struggle
1: bus. Is Matt Ishbia going, uh, can we get that down to like three
0: billion? (laughs) Like four seems a little high right now. We need to renegotiate. (laughs) Um, also speaking of the DraftKings Sportsbook app, we did start officially. It is the new year. So what we have decided is in our pregame shows, we always pick a bet of the game. And what we're going to start doing for the remainder of the season is keeping track of whose bets hit and how much money we uh, are earning from it. We all decided they're $10 bets each time. So that's kind of keeps things a little bit of an even playing field. How'd everybody do today?
1: The only reason this got brought up is because
3: Lindsay, you're the <laughs> only one that got your bet, right?
0: Okay? Is it the only reason yes. or is this something that you guys decided that I've said, okay, let's do that. No, I don't
3: say like, you guys decided. He's the one that wanted I to I didn't make
0: crap. this a thing. Oh,
3: like, I'm but, just going along with it.
0: I
1: imagine if, we had both hit and you had missed, this would have been an easy thing to gloss over to get out of the show (laughs) faster than we are right now.
0: I mean, maybe, but that's not what happened now, is it? We'll have a standings
1: board, don't you worry.
0: Yeah, I missed.
3: You know, my my bet didn't hit because uh, DA can't stop traveling down low, so that's (laughs) considered a turnover. And he had three of them. Thanks, DA. Appreciate you. Was the
0: line two and a half? One and a half. Oh, one and a half. I see, okay. Well, I took the under... I took the under on DA blocks tonight, and I think it was just 0.5, and he Mm -hmm. didn't get one, so Mm -hmm. my bet hit. So at least we can say that I won one, because I'm not anticipating this being a normal or a continual thing for the rest of the season, but at least I can hold on to the fact that the very first time, my bet hit I won one And if you guys are not on the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now, definitely recommend you download it, but make sure you download it using – or sign up using the promo code PHNX, because when you use that promo code, you can place just a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win their game. And if they do, you are going ha- to get $100, $150 in free bets instantly. It is that simple with the code PHNX. Only a draft game, sportsbook, minimum age, and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Dang, I'm flustered. I can't talk today. But we do have a few more super chats to get into you guys. Mike B sent us one. Thank you, Mike B, he said, I'm not, I'm down, but I'm not out. I doubt any of us are a Suns fan. Let's cool our cools and remember we got book locked to buck up. We I feel we're gonna be good. You guys feeling like you're not completely out, just a little down, or are you almost out? Out.
3: Cool. I get rattled by inconsistency. That's fair. So I, I'm completely out on the suns in terms of their championship hopes. Love the team. Hope they do better. Hope they start winning some games to make me feel better about my life. But right now I'm kind of depressed. Not going to (laughs) lie.
1: Yeah. Long-term I'm, I'm, I feel good. Devin Booker is one of the best in the game at shooting guard. You'll figure out a ways to build around him with a, with new ownership, but short-term. No, I, I, this was a season where you thought, okay, maybe you could unlock the championship puzzle. And it just feels like that's, that's slipped away. And that's, that's where my frustration is. You had an expectation of what this team could be and they've proven over the last six, probably five weeks that they're just not that. And, and that's where, that's where the frustration comes from.
2: Yeah. I'm I'm not even completely out on this season, but I have more hope in, their championship hopes if something happens at the trade deadline that I do in this current group. That's, that's where I'm at is I, I feel like I can't close the door until I see exactly what they do at the trade deadline, but the odds of them doing something that puts them in that window is really, really small. Like I'm, I'm kind of of the opinion, if I were a betting man and I had to bet on whether they'll, this is kind of a transition year, it would, it would be on that for sure. All
0: right. Are a couple- you tanking
2: for Wimbayama? No, I'm not taking. <laughs> we wouldn't even
0: get that pick anyway.
2: Unless Devin Booker's groin injury holds him out until like March, then then I'm saying okay, maybe we talk about Wemby a little I bit. It's but it's
3: it's it's January right now. Just I know he won't be back till
2: February, <laughs> most likely. <laughs> So, well, and then there's a week yeah, and a half yeah. in
1: February that's
2: dead time due to the All Star break. Too. Right. They and they and that's not even saying he's going to be back at the end of the four weeks. That's just when he's reevaluated. He could be out for longer than that, for all we know. So,
3: Well I, I will say this though, it, it's it's kind of a blessing a little bit because then you think for the for the home stretch, if they do make a move, listen, all the Suns need to do is just stay afloat. That's mm-hmm. all we're asking them to do. Stay somewhere between four to eight, right? Stay there. Just live there, okay? Do, do, like, like in Hitch, just stay right here. All right, don't do any of this. <laughs> just stay right here, okay? That's all we need to do in that short-term period. If they could do that, and then you get Cam Johnson and Devin Booker back, and you can make a trade that, listen, I don't think a superstar is coming, but I think somebody that could just shoot the ball a little bit more consistently, that's all we're asking for. I think they'll be okay. I don't think they'll win a championship, but I think they can compete.
1: Well, yeah, we were just asking for 500 you know, basketball while Book was out. I mean, that was like the baseline. We're like, oh, if, yeah. they, if they could just do that, and they're not anywhere near that. And they were struggling at the tail end of when Book was there, too. But, I mean, somebody put it in the chat. Five and 12 in the last 17, you're quite far from 500 right
0: all right, our next super chats from Trevor. Trevor said DA relies on being spoon spoon-fed his points by lobs.
3: No, that's not it. I, I, I must don't it's those that's,
1: hook shots and jump shots that he makes, right. you know.
3: It, it's not just
2: just lobs, but yes, it is it's unfortunate when you need someone to be a second option or a first option right now that DA needs the majority of his offense to come from someone else he doesn't create much of his own offense so i, I get the overarching point but it's not just lobs because that doesn't do his development as a jump shooter credit um or his work on the offensive glass he does he gets a lot of his points there too
3: i i would say this and i think uh, you know i i know this is not what you're presuming gerald um but i think a lot of people think that that means the, what you just said they interpret that as being able to handle the ball and, and make his own moves. I would I would say it's not necessarily that. Hmm. It's getting the ball down low on the block and stop bailing out the defense from hook shots and jumpers and fadeaways, and instead forcing the contact. Right. Uh, in the game, they talked about how EJ and Tom would talk about the science of being a 20-point scorer, like a consistent 20-point scorer. And a large portion of that, because they were talking about Julius Randle and how he's always creating contact, always creating contact. Well, if you're a finesse guy and then you try to create the contact, you're never going to get the whistle. And the Suns, in large, are a finesse team as opposed to a physical team. That's why the free throw disparities are so wildly uh, uh, opposed to them like they're just not a physical team. They need to find that brand of physicality because they're missing out on so many opportunities inside the paint, um, especially with D.A. D.A.'s just got to find how to be a better big man and draw more contact than he actually does because guys like uh, Jokic and Embiid feel like they go to the line all the time, whereas D.A. goes maybe once a game, and that's just that's too few.
2: Right. His, his reliable post moves are... Uh turnaround hook shot with the one hand which is not inviting contact and it's a turnaround jumper like they're they're just inherently moving away from the basket he never sticks his shoulder into somebody and just tries to go up over the top of them it's just not something that's really been in his dna to this point until he gets more comfortable with the handle until he develops that aggressive mindset on a night-in-night-out basis that's kind of what it's going to be
1: yeah i mean it's a it's a byproduct of the fact that he brings that ball low Anytime he, he does try to face up and, and they slap it away. And so he defaults to, to the hook shot, the, the, you know, kind of fade away because you're not going to get the ball knocked away. And that just can't happen. You need hey. him to, to figure it out, man.
3: Okay. Hey, you Good know, story, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. Cause you know, they back in the day they used to teach big men, you get the rebound, you throw those elbows up cause little guys aren't going to try and grab it. But now because of the way the league is, If if some guard just runs around the corner and runs into your elbow, all of a sudden it's a flagrant, right? But you know what, Da? Every now and then you just gotta, you know, you just gotta give them, just give them one of these. You know what I mean? Just you gotta do it. You gotta do it because otherwise, dudes are just never gonna learn. It's the same way. Somebody's gotta give uh, Grayson Allen a two piece, right? Those two things (laughs) have to occur this season.
0: I mean, I'm just saying, if if Da did it
3: on Grayson Allen, that's
0: even better. If you're gonna get a foul, at least make it worth it. Right. But that's the,
1: that's the thing. I think he's become too afraid of of the foul, right? Because early on it was, oh, he can't get in foul trouble, and I think he's almost scared to draw fouls. I'm fine. Go get five. You can have five. Just don't get that sixth. And and sometimes you have to take a foul to make a point and earn that foul, right? Like you're saying, so because eventually, people will take you more seriously because you are willing to put the hurt on somebody uh, f- physically. I mean, I, I'm not to, I don't want either of us to sound like the old man, uh, you know, saying get off my lawn, but yeah, there was a time where that was what you did. You just throw those bows. Once you get the rebound and kick it out or or go back up strong. And he just doesn't have that right now. And a guy like Mark Bryant, it, it grew up in that era, you know, uh, and, and should be able to hopefully instill that, but it does not seem like something that's overly important right now. He,
2: he doesn't have that reputation, and I think it contributes sometimes to the way that he's officiated on both ends. I, I think we've seen a couple of centers drive into people, barrel into them, and get whistled for a shooting foul, and we've seen DA do the same thing. There was that one game where he had that late charge, and he was just playing physical, and I think it's because when you see it out of DA, it's so like striking because we don't see it all the time, And so people think, okay, well, if that happened on this play, it's because he was playing too aggressively or something like that. So he gets whistled for the foul. I I think until he develops that reputation of being a more physical player on both ends, we're going to continue to see some weird whistles when it comes to D.A.
3: He's Ferdinand the Bull. I don't know if you guys know that children's (laughs) story. But Ferdinand the Bull was just tiptoeing through the two lips and was just loud, like soft, and cuddly until one day something bad happened and that motherfucker turned and he turned for the better. Like that's what DA needs to do. He needs to turn. Come on. <laughs> you know what that
1: turning point I think will be? His next team, unfortunately. Oh, boy.
3: <laughs> oh yeah.
0: All right. Our final super chat for now from Psycho Blue said, so I compared CP3 game four finals turnover to Favre's pick in that NFC title game. I'm talking about the season after for Favre slash cp 3 comp.
3: It makes sense. Accurate. As long as there's
1: no text messages for CP three, we're all good. So. well you go for it. <laughs>
0: okay. So well, you, everybody
1: else is making the Favre comparison, so <laughs>
0: All right, we do have a couple more things we want to tell you guys about. It's 56 minutes into the show. We have had a lot to talk about, but I need to make sure you know about more furniture. More furniture has a great variety of different pieces for your home, for your office, for if you are lucky enough to have a room in your house that is like your sports cave, they've got you covered with all the things that you need. You can check them out at morefurniture.com. They hooked up our studios over at PHNX, and I told you guys in the last game, those uh, loungers that we have in our viewing area, they will put you right to sleep if you are not careful. You can save big on the best furniture in the Valley when you head to morefurniture.com, so be sure to check it out.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're like a uh, a sons game. They'll put you to sleep real quick right now. So, <laughs> enjoy those more furniture seats. You know, what I enjoy right now is the underdog fantasy app. And We've talked a lot about uh, you know the the same day fantasy, you know, drafts that you can do and invite your friends to do that. And those are really fun. But right now, their pick 'em game is one that I really love and I'm going to I'm going to live do this. You can bet higher or lower for players in a game. And right now I'm going to go to the next Suns game and bet lower on everything I can for this team, because oh, that's no. how I'm feeling. If you get five, right, you get 20 times your money uh, in one of those bets. And I I've had some success on this app doing the, uh, the, the pick them. I love the, the higher, lower lots of opportunity there, especially with the NFL uh, season wrapping up this weekend you're gonna have a chance saturday and sunday to put some uh, skin in the game when it comes to football uh, and obviously nba all week so you uh, do that and if you go over and you download the draft can- or the underdog fantasy sports app right now and use that code phnx you're gonna sign you're gonna get a hundred dollars when you deposit a hundred dollars it's just that easy again go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app Sign up with promo code PHNX and Underdog's is going to match your first deposit up to a hundred dollars, and then you can go play that pick'em game uh, to get up to potentially twenty times your money.
3: Speaking of fantasy football, all I need is thirty points tonight, and I'm the fantasy football champion. Just wanted to throw that out Uh-oh. there. How many guys uh, come on, go? Joe. Come on, Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon. Let's go. Oh, it's done. Bring, bring daddy the championship. Let's <laughs> go. Um, also, I just want to say that I know it's negative because the Suns have just been not very good. But the positive is ticket prices should decrease. And you should let's wait to the very last minute to get yours for up to 60% off using the Game Time app. It's the best app out there to get your tickets. You can do all-in pricing so you can see where your taxes and fees can all be. Uh, you can scout the arena. You can find the best deal and then go for it, uh, and you can pick anywhere from 1 to 10 tickets at a time. I used it for eight tickets down at the U of A. I think I, I spent like $96 for eight tickets to sit like eighth row up in the corner of the end zone. It was awesome. Uh, we are we were going to try and possibly do it next Monday because my wife is a TCU alum, Goat Frogs. Um, and so we're going to try and go to the national championship possibly. So maybe we'll see if uh, we can get some quality tickets on there. But save yourself 60%. Uh, On tickets, when you buy the tickets last minute, the best way to support is buying your tickets through the link in the description. So do that using the Game Time app.
0: Guys, look who showed up because they were so upset that I was yelling. (laughs) It's Bonnie. This one's Bonnie. Oh, I thought you said Monty. No, Bonnie.
3: You named your cat Monty?
0: (laughs) No, absolutely not. She jumped on my lap right now. I think she's like, Why are you so angry? What's going on? You need to calm down.
3: She's your emotional support. She
0: is. I'm going to have to start bringing her into the office more often then because I'm I'm going to need some emotional support.
3: No. No. But
0: look at her so she's no. like. Cute. I have
3: no attachment to cats whatsoever. Oh, <laughs> uh, I will I will die have have if you bring that. It's in. it's
0: for me. It's not for you.
3: Yeah, but our office space. I'm allergic to cats, so I'll just sneeze.
0: There you uh,
1: go. Uh, sure, that's what they all but, say. By the way, Saul, the girthlings want you to become the next son's coach. Uh <laughs> can I get a spot on the uh on the back uh, row? If you think you front? hate
3: Monty. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Could you I imagine? I think I suck?
1: <laughs> I think Saul would get thrown out of his first game just to make a point oh, with
3: the Rams. A million percent of them. Oh, oh, absolutely. The phrase, uh, go back to Foot Locker, would definitely come out of my mouth with the Rams, <laughs> for sure.
0: Could you guys imagine how wild these post game shows would be if Saul was the coach?
3: Because oh,
0: Saul would call in exactly. Oh yeah, and then it we would somewhere. yell at you, and then you would yell at us, and then you would yell at the chat, and then they would yell at you, and it would just be sheer chaos.
3: Yeah, it'd be awesome. As awesome says, probably, I would probably turn and be like, "Da, they said you play like you know, you know, whatever," and try to get him all riled up too. <laughs> I could Carter get the says. most out of Da. I'm positive I could get the most out of Da. <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs>
1: oh, As no. Connor says, Saul not playing Landry
3: at all, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, just sit this one out, champ. Oh, that would, no.
0: That would be the page out of Monty's book that Saul keeps, but it would only be towards Landry. <laughs> <laughs> True. All right, gentlemen. Um, any final thoughts or anything else that you would like to discuss about this game?
2: One last thing. Over. Yeah, one last thing I had is through 38 games, the Suns have officially already lost as many games this season as they did
3: all of last season.
0: Yeah.
2: So just for some one context one 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 about one. where we're at right now.
0: Well, I didn't
3: have them coming anywhere close to 64 wins this year, so I'm good. But if they lose another 10, I'm screwed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we need to go back and we need to look at what we picked. In our predictions for this year, because I don't remember, but it would be interesting to see and compare them to what we thought at the start of the season to where we are right now. I,
1: think I, I had them at fifty-five.
0: 50 I had 50. them on the
1: under. I thought they were going to be like 50-51, and I think we're getting to the point where that that might be a difficult uh, uphill battle if uh, books out too long. So I don't know.
3: All
0: right. Well,
1: well. I, I do have one last thought. James Jones better he's been very quiet. He's, you know, preach patience. He better have one hell of a plan and one hell of a, a vision for what the next 12 to 16 months for this team is and how to, uh, how to continue the path forward building around Devin Booker, because the last two and a half years were great and we'll always remember them. But the goodwill of that, I think ended today.
3: I will say this too, uh, you know, we've, during the Colangelo era, it it was great because you always felt like you had uh, a chance in the off season to make a move that would keep you invested in the team, reinvigorated, um, and, and really keep optimism high. James Jones missed his opportunity this past summer. And I think he needs to. He definitely needs to recoup that, as, as Espo um, put it, right now. Like he he's he's losing valuable time, and basically Chris Paul's window. It looks like he's that it's gone. Right. It looks like it's closed. Um, so you need to get a valuable asset somehow, some kind of way. Hopefully he can pull a rabbit out of his hat, because I feel like that's what it's going to take to to make a miracle happen right now.
0: All right. Well, thank you guys all for tuning in. We appreciate you as always. We'll have a show for you tomorrow at 3 p.m. So plan to come hang out with us live if you're able to. If not, you can always listen wherever you get your podcast. Until we see you guys tomorrow, you can follow me on Twitter at az. You can follow Gerald at Gerald Bourget. You can follow Saul at Saul underscore Bookman. And of course, you can follow Espo at Espo. Espo, take us home.
1: Devin, come back. You can blame it all on the groin. James Jones was wrong. We can't stay alive without you. Ahoy hoy!